Is it on? Welcome to the Shant Show with your hosts, Curtis, Josh, Mario, and Jordan. Welcome into another edition of the Shant Show. It's been a while since we've talked some football. I think our last football episode was uh, us learning that Grayson McCall was coming back to uh, piss some more teal. And that was really exciting news. Following the hiring of Tim Beck, we uh, we made a list of things that he had to do in his first couple months in charge. And this episode, we're going to look at uh, recruiting, at transfers, and we're going to take a deep dive into that list and see where uh, Coach Tim Beck has excelled in building this program in his short time in charge. We are Mario list for this episode, but you got Josh and Jordan hanging on for the ride. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. Josh, Coastal Carolina recruiting is weird for this year. They're ranked 109th in the country, but you got to remember Coach Chadwell kept the Liberty thing under wraps until the very last second. So Tim Beck had about two weeks to convince kids to come to coastal and to convince the kids that were already committed to coastal to stay here. 109th is disappointing and in all honesty, kind of pathetic, but do you hold that against Tim Beck or do you think this is some area where he can improve and will improve very quickly, but this cycle just wasn't long enough for him? Well, I definitely think that it, it's kind of a combination of what you said. Like, it does suck, but a lot of times in this scenario where you get in and, and the coach that was previously there has left, and he's – what Chadwell did do it. He took a lot of guys that were hard or soft commits to Coastal and flipped them pretty quickly. Like, it was just, oh, coach goes, I go. Like, I'm they're saying I'm glad to – like, I saw people that now have committed to Coastal saying I'm I'm happy to announce that this staff has – has offered me. And those are the guys that we want at the end of the day, the guys that were not just committed to a coach, but were committed to the university as a whole. And, I, and then I also think it's different. Chadwell's doing it. He's trying to get guys to go from coast of Liberty. They're upgrading in facilities. Like that's for sure. Even though they're coming, he's bringing them to where more money is. But then Tim Beck on the other side of that is tr- would try to be trying to convince kids going to the ACC and NC state to flip at the dime. I think that's a lot tougher of a sell. And this is why I think we haven't really seen it because although I would have liked to see more NC state guys flip, but I think, yeah, I think it's a combination too. It sucks, but we were also looking at it and 109 is partially that what we're getting is, is we have some good guys, some good high three-star guys and our rating is like 0.84 total, but we don't have a ton of commits. Only 17 guys coming in. That's simply just not enough in this modern day era. We have some transfers too, but it is disappointing but I think it it's a pretty tough task for Tim Beck to come in and especially trying to get kids to go from NC State to Coastal like a flip. I don't think that's very um achievable in the way it was for Chadwell. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I, I'm not going to hold this against him. Do I wish it was better? Of course. We're the 10th best recruiting class in the Sun Belt. I mean, you're talking about losing to schools like South Alabama, losing to schools in the recruiting battles for guys that are ending up at Southern Miss. Like, that's not where Coastal should be, and that's not where Coastal wants to be. But I have full trust in Tim Beck 
and just say, hey, we're going to write this one off. And that's not to say that the kids in this class aren't good. I'm not writing off the kids. I'm writing off this recruiting cycle as a whole and just saying, listen, he did the best that he could in the time that he had, and he brought in some good talent. There's a couple of issues with the class, and we'll get into that a little bit. But, Jordan, what are your initial thoughts? Again, 109th overall by uh, 247, 10th in the conference. Um, your biggest rivals in App State are second. This is not great results. No, it's not. But, I mean, with everything that's been going on in this program and the tra- the transition that we've had from um, Coach Chadwell to Tim Beck, I mean, it's, it's to be expected. And um, we talked about it before we even jumped on the pod. You know, App State is um, a program that has earned the right and has had a lot of good years. They had to endure a lot of good years of football, and they've earned the right to get players in throughout the country. And it's going to take some time for Tim Beck. I mean, it's it's to be expected, but I think that we'll we'll get to – where they are is going to take a lot of a lot of hard work and a lot of a lot of winning games. We just got to keep winning more ball games, and we've done that in the past three years. It's going to have to, but we got to maintain that consistently. We have to rely on that consistently. But I think for the most part, for what Tim Peck, for what Tim Beck has done, it's still pretty good. And I think that you know it's going to be a lot of question marks going into this season coming up. But I think that you know. Sky's the limit for this team. I think that, you know, nobody's going to be expecting us to do a lot because we're 10th right now in the Sun Belt. But, you know, when people don't expect much from a team, that's when surprises happen. And I think that our team has a lot of players that want to come and, like, prove a lot of people wrong. We've had that mentality the last three years or so. So I think that we can get to get to where we want to be and, get back to being in the Sunbelt championship game. I think that it's going to take some time, but as far as so far, Tim Beck's been doing a great job. And, you know, I think that it'll get better as time goes on. He gets better with recruiting. I think that's fair. And you can't expect a first year head coach in his first two weeks to throw together a top 50 national class in the group of five. Like it's just not going to happen. So the results that we have are fine. I mean, some of the kids that he got in this class are ridiculous. We'll get into that in a little bit, but I, I want to nitpick just for a second. Um, I'm looking at the 247 sports breakdown of, of the recruiting class, and the thing that stands out to me is how diverse Coastal's recruiting locations are and how that might be a problem. I, I like that we're able to sign talent from Florida, from Georgia, from Pennsylvania, from South Carolina, from California, from Kansas, from New York. Like, that's great. But if you go and you look, we signed two kids out of the state of South Carolina. And if you look at the kids that were available in the state of South Carolina, Coastal's top player in the state of South Carolina that signed with them is the 24th best player in South Carolina. Now the kid's good. Joshua Sadler is is going to be just fine at the at the group five level. He's an edge rusher. He's going to be fine. But I understand you're not going to win a lot of battles against South Carolina and Clemson. But South Carolina and Clemson don't recruit the fifteenth best kid in the state. 
They don't recruit the 12th best kid in the state. They go for one through eight, and they leave the rest to everybody else. And Coastal lost a lot of those battles to teams that it doesn't really make sense. East Carolina signed two guys in South Carolina's top 15. App State signed four or five guys in South Carolina's top 25. Again, I I referenced to them earlier this year, or earlier this podcast, excuse me, as our biggest rivals. You can't let them come into your home state and take talent away. And it's something that that Coastal's going to have to fix. And, you know, I I draw back on my experience as, as a Penn State fan. When James Franklin was hired, he came in and he said, listen, here's our new motto. Our new recruiting model is dominate the state. If you go to high school in Pennsylvania, you're going to Penn State. And I understand that Pennsylvania is a better recruiting hotbed than South Carolina, but that transformed that Penn State program from a team that that was lackluster and awful following the the Joe Paterno and, and Jerry Sandusky sanctions to a team that next year has a legitimate shot of winning a national championship and for the last 10 has had a legitimate shot at a New Year's Six every single year. And Coastal Carolina can take from that model and say, yes, we're not going to get the number one kid in the state of South Carolina, but we're damn sure going to try and get him. And when he commits to Clemson and when he commits to South Carolina, we get his best friend who's the eighth best kid in the state. And that's that's got to be your mentality here. And you've got to build a net in South Carolina and Georgia and North Carolina and say, listen, you're going to be a backup your entire career at North Carolina, at Clemson, at NC State. But you can come here and you can play for three years and then you're off to the NFL. And and I think Coastal Carolina will do a better job of that under Tim Beck, but that's that's one of my biggest nitpicks. Um, I'll throw it out to you guys. Any generic kind of comments on on the recruiting class before we go into a little bit in depth on uh, each not each prospect, but but a lot of the prospects. Yeah, so our we'll, we'll go in depth on him, but they did really look to replace some positions in this recruiting class, like there were some certain holes that obviously you don't want your recruiting class to have to like have to play right away. And that's not obviously the goal, but with the guys that we have going out, especially on defense, there's a lot of holes to replace. And and there's a lot of guys now that we just know it's their last year. Grayson McCall, some of the wide receivers, like it's their last year, the running backs, like they've been here a while now. You got to start replacing them. And they went out, they got a good running back edge rusher got an edge rusher and we'll talk about it he might even play inside um safety recruited corner recruited defensive like I I like the spots that they picked to recruit it and then finally I mean just a couple weeks ago they got a quarterback in Blake Boda and we had not signed a quarterback to that point and the guy that we brought in last year that was supposed to be a guy like Boda recruited to USF and he's out of there and Bryce Archie so needed to go get one of those and we got a good one so I will say that I do give him some credit, if anything, for definitely I think that the guys that he brought in were purposeful, and he definitely spent time with each of these guys, showing them that, yeah, you do have a place, and, and we're going to need you to step in. So I think it was very meaningful recruiting from what I've seen so far. Yeah, I think that most of the, 
the pieces that are here that have committed, I think that Tim Beck noticed what we did not do in the Sunbelt Championship game and in the bowl game. I think that he went and purposely picked out pieces to try to fit and fill um, for those that we lost and for the position players that really didn't play well in those final two games of the season. And I think that that's going to be impactful for our defense and um, you could say for our offense going into this 2023 season. Um, I'm really excited for the ones that are, that are here for ones that's going to come. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just like Josh said, a lot of these guys that are coming back for the 23 season, this is it. This is their last chance. So they're going to, I'm looking for Tim Beck to see what he can do to try to get this team to an even bigger bowl game. But I think that a lot of these guys that's coming in are going to come in here hungry, determined, and ready to show Teal Nation and a lot of the Sun Belt what they can do. And it's going to be exciting to see. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it is going to be really exciting. And first and foremost of those exciting players is Javen Simpkins. This is a guy that is the 490th best player in the country. And I know a lot of you are going to turn your nose up at that. But for a school like Coastal Carolina to get a guy in the top 500 is is really big news. This is one of the best recruits that Coastal Carolina has ever gotten. And this is a program that's recruiting at the FBS level for what this will be cycle number seven. So you're not even, you're not even, you know, double digits in age and and you bring in a guy that's top 500. Like that's impressive. The other impressive thing of that is, is this he's from Miami, Florida. Um, He won a tri counties uh, state championship in Miami. And up until February 1st, he was committed to Georgia tech. And before he was committed to Georgia Tech, he was down to two schools, Georgia Tech and Florida State. He commits to Georgia Tech and on February 1st flips signs for Coastal. That's a massive win. Now he's five foot nine, 183. He's a speed guy. He's he's think Braden Bennett ish. Um He's going to be a heck of a player, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he burns his red shirt in his freshman season. Like He's he's that level of athlete and that level of prospect. But to flip a guy from a Power 5 school to Coastal is is really impressive. Um, you go down the list, and there's there's a lot of guys here that, that deserve mention, and, and there's 17 guys. We can't get to all of them, especially with the other things we have planned in this episode. But um, Josh, I'll turn it over to you. Are there, are there any players on this list that really stand out or, or any trends that you see that really uh, stand out to you? Um, A guy that I tried to watch some of the film on these guys, and obviously a lot of them have slipped through the cracks. Um, A guy that I did watch film on was Derek Maxey, and he's going to be a safety from Atlanta, Georgia. Dude's a dog. He I saw him playing some corner in his film and I think they might flex him to corner now or at least like a zone safety corner hybrid that can maybe fill in at a like a like a hybrid linebacker type dude if you need him to. He's super athletic, which is we need athletes on that defense. And I don't know the identity that the defense is going to take on. We we know a little bit of what Craig Navier does and Curtis was saying something about that pre episode, but the defense needs retooled. Um we need guys that are, want to play on that defense because I feel like we've had an issue with that for a, a long time. And, and Chad Staggs is out of there, and it's new coaches, but we need guys 
better athletes on defense. We need guys that are going to be willing to make tackles. I've seen him tackle in the flats. I've seen him cover deep balls. Hopefully, I didn't see much about a high school quarterback throwing against him over the middle of the field, but hopefully he can do that as well. So he's a guy that stuck out to me, and um, Blake Boda as well. Um, we hope to bring him on soon for an interview. Um, we actually were going to do it tonight, but we'll figure it out. He's like we've mentioned him. Actually, I don't think we've talked on the pod since it, but we get him to flip from UNLV, a guy that his recruitment really picked up late. He didn't have an offer going into his senior year, and all of a sudden he gets USF, UNLV, and Coastal all within like two or three weeks, and he commits to UNLV before he ever even took a visit to him. So for us to offer him after he's committed and for Tim Beck to know, hey, we lost Archie, we need a quarterback. Guess isn't going to probably be doing it for us, so we need a quarterback. To go out and get that guy, Gatorade Player of the Year, let him do a state title to us. I mean, this guy is a dog, 4,000 yards. He can run as well. He's very Grayson McCall-esque, so definitely a guy that we're looking forward to having. And those two are, are guys that I did watch film on and stuck out to me. So I'm very excited about them. Yeah, 4,028 touchdowns. Yeah, that's just what I was going to say. Yeah. With 49 touchdowns, it's crazy. You can see why. I mean, he transferred, bet on himself his senior year of high school and landed three D1 offers after having none in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, I was just going to mention his his stat line. Um, he is he's Florida's two class two um, player of the year. Like he was phenomenal, completed 270 of 414 passes for 4028 yards and 49 touchdowns and only threw 11 interceptions. And then he rushed for 200 yards and five more scores. Like this guy is is a legitimate prospect. And and like you said, he he got his first Division one offer and immediately committed. Um, it also helped that he was being recruited by Bobby Petrino, um, which is is a name that that carries weight in in college football at UNLV before he jumped ship to Texas A and M. Um, but that was like a legitimate thing. And then coastal Carolina came in and he looked at it. He said, listen, this is a place where I can actually succeed. And, and he jumped over to, uh, to coastal. So six foot three, 173. he'll put on some weight. Once he gets into a college, uh, weight program, um, this kid's got all the tools to, to take over after Grayson McCall gets out of here. He's, he's super exciting. Jordan, I go back to you. Is there any prospect on here that that like you really love and and you're really excited to see what the future holds? Yeah, I like uh Joshua Sadler. Um, he came out of Ridgeview, um, here and I'm glad we got him because he's actually from South Carolina, in the Columbia area, six three two fifteen, uh, edge player. Um, we definitely needed somebody to try to replace uh Josiah Stewart after he transferred to Michigan. And I think that he could be one of the many defensive linemen that we have that can actually make a difference um, in our, in the, on the D line. Um, I mean, this guy was actually a freak of nature. He, he had a lot of sacks, forced fumbles. He had 31 tackles in 2021 that I had saw. So he, he can make a lot of big plays and we definitely need that because we didn't have a lot of like that many big plays on the defensive line. So I expect him to come in and make a, a huge impact um, when he gets his opportunity to play. And really, when it comes down to it, you know, Tim Beck, like I said, he's going out there and getting defense alignment. I think that that's a big move. We need to try to get this defense back, back to this black swarm defense that we had some years ago. And getting Sadlers to come, I think that's going to be big for us. 
Yeah, committed to us over Vanderbilt, and and I know Vanderbilt's like the bottom basement of of the S, uh, SEC, but it's still an SEC program. He had a scholarship offer to go play in the SEC, and he committed to South Carolina, or excuse me, to Coastal Carolina instead. And that's again, that's another victory for Tim Beck. This this is a guy that that committed to um, Coastal Carolina on February first. This is a guy that wasn't committed to Jamie Chadwell, that wasn't committed to, um, you know, the previous coaching staff. He was offered by Coastal, signed with Coastal, and and committed to Coastal post Jamie Chadwell and in, in the Tim Beck era. So, like, that's another victory for for Tim Beck, another feather in his cap. I think we uh, we go ahead, we move on to uh, the transfer portal, and and that's you know. Not to say that any of, of the the kids that are coming in are not worth talking about. This recruiting class is impressive. Um, the size that we got, we mentioned that last year in our recruiting, our post signing day episode, that that the size that Coastal's bringing in, the Mighty Mites were cool, um, but let's not rely on like five foot nine centers anymore. We saw how bad that went all last season, and so coastal is going out and signing six foot four 300 pound linemen for the first time in its history uh and it's exciting we'll see coastal carolina brings in a extremely talented group of transfer uh players highlighted by uh kane barong the tight end from notre dame this is a guy who was the number 10 tight end in the country out of high school last season that's right this guy is a redshirt freshman has four years left to play um and hopefully he plays all four of them in teal and bronze because that would be something special josh does anybody in this recruiting class and you or this transfer class excuse me you can even go in more on kane barong uh stand out to you yeah so like you meant i'm gonna touch on kane barong because this is just a huge commit for coastal carolina like in terms of nationally ranked at a high school, now he's the best recruit we've ever got over Willie Moyes last year. He's the real deal. I mean, obviously commits to Notre Dame. This dude's tape is crazy. Six four, he's athletic. When he gets into, well, he was at Notre Dame's weight room, but when we get him on the field in Tim Beck's offense, spreading him out and getting quick balls to him, like it, it, it should just be a problem. Six four two thirty. Brought in a sidekick for him to Kendall Carr from North Carolina. We got again two power five tight ends, effectively two ACC tight ends. Cause you know, Notre Dame wants to be weird. But we just get two six four tight ends, two guys that played in the power five, had scholarships to power five. Kane Barong's a dog. Kendall Carr should be really good. It looks like Tim Beck, I've seen it before. He's running two tight end systems. This dude is really wants to spread the ball and get the ball in the hands of his athletes and I, I was telling the guys, as long as Tim Beck is our coach, I think between Isaiah Likely, the year we had this year with our tight ends where we didn't really have an identity and no one stepped up, yeah, that's done. This guy, Tim Beck, is going to recruit tight ends. And if we can land these guys in his first year, just wait until the results come in. And then every tight end in the country wants to play in Tim Beck. And it, it was foreseeable that Grace McCall was going to be thrown to Tim Beck. I mean, throwing to Kane Barong a couple months ago, if you asked us, but not in the teal and bronze. I wouldn't have thought. I thought it would have been in, in the white and gold, but that's just a huge get in the transfer class, and and we'll touch on some of these guys too, but Evan Jumper is also a huge, but I think somebody else will talk about that, so excited about the tight ends, though. 
yet the dueling tight ends of this transfer class is going to be incredible to watch. Um, for those of you unfamiliar with Tim Beck's offense, it, it's more, uh, think pro style, but don't think like under center Tom Brady Patriots think pro style, like the chiefs where they're in shotgun and they're spreading you out and whatever, but they're not afraid to use two tight ends and they will use two tight ends and two tight ends will excel. And, now you have two guys on the roster that are legit good tight ends. This could yeah. be a hell of a duo this season. And and they just fit into what we're being here with tight end you. I mean, not many programs have NFL draft declarations from tight ends back-to-back years. You would think after we replaced the greatest tight end in our history that next year we wouldn't have a tight end declare for the draft. But we did in Xavier Gravette. So I think we're becoming tight end you. At least at the group of five level, I'm not opposed <laughs> to it. Um, Jordan, this is a, a class that includes seven guys coming in. Um, I'm sure there are some some other guys that are coming in that aren't listed on this website, um, guys that are a little bit under the radar. But of these seven, who stands out most to you? Um, I really like, and you guys might think I'm a little weird, but I play off his line, so I, I find Evan Jumper um, a huge get for us because we've lost um we lost some offensive linemen notably um we lost one guy to north carolina you guys know his name <laughs> you guys know his name i don't yeah we good do. riddance good riddance and goodbye that's his name <laughs> but <laughs> but no um i think evan jumper coming coming back home this is a huge gift for tim beck not only for him but for us at, at coastal i think First of all, I don't know how he even got away from us. The guy was from a uh, local product, Myrtle Beach High School, commits to the upstate, goes to Furman, um, goes there for four years, and now he's come back home. So I think this is a good get. He's 6'4", uh, 255. Um, pretty, pretty solid size for offensive linemen, and I think that, you know, he played pretty well at Furman, and I think that he's going to bring that aggression to to Coastal. I think that he's going to help revamp um, us from that mighty mites and actually get us a good solidified offensive line to help protect Grayson McCall more this year. Um, I really think that's going to be a, a good get for us. I think also uh, Carlos Hatcher coming from Tulane, that's another big get on the defensive line. Um, he brings a lot of um, – he didn't really play a lot this year, but I, I can see he's hungry to play. He only had like seven solo tackles, total tackles. So I think that, you know, he's going to come ready to play and he's hungry to get get some, some reps in as well. But I, the one thing that I like about Carlos Hatcher is that he comes from a program that just came from a big bowl game win. Tulane just beat USC um, in the Cotton Bowl, and he's bringing that championship pedigree. We don't really have that now because a good bit of our players – from the Cure Bowl have have already left. We have a few, but not that many. So he's going to help bring that experience to the younger guys to help them get bought in on what they're trying to accomplish here at Coastal. So definitely Evan Jumper and Carlos Hatcher for sure. I can't wait to see what those guys do. And definitely those two are actually going to help each other get better because they're going to go up against each other in practice. So I can't wait to see what they do for us in Teal Nation. One thing I like about Evan Jumper is that he's never been a Mountaineer. From what I'm looking at in his 24-7 profile is that his only FBS offer out of high school was Appalachian State in 2018. So I'm not really sure what happened there. But on May 12, 2018, he made a visit to Appalachian State 
and he obviously saw what we all see, except those crazy people down at Boone and the toothless women, that it's just not it. And he chose Furman over App State. So for that, I guess he's always pissed a little bit of teal. He finally went to the doctor, got it checked out, and welcome home, man. So shout out to Evan Jumper for that. And you got a chance to play him this year. So good thing you stayed away from the toothless woman. I'll give you that. It's so he's smart sh- at least. Dude, it's not a shot show episode if we don't get a sh- toothless women shot in there at some point. Now we just got to figure out a way to convince uh, to, to squeeze in a Cliff Ellis's old joke and we'll have hit uh somebody will get bingo out there. Um <laughs> but uh I really like the strategy of this this transfer class. Um we talked about it pre-show. Camberong is a redshirt freshman. He's going to come in with 4 years of eligibility. Kendall Carr is a true sophomore. He's got 3 years left. They added a guy in Abraham T money who is going to be really good. He's a true freshman. Four years left to play, and that that um, Abraham T Money guy is is six foot four, one ninety, and plays safety slash corner. He's he's from Erskine, so he's going from Division two to FBS. So that's going to be a tricky um, a, a tricky kind of of transition for him. But this is a guy that I, I don't know if you guys have seen Tariq Wolin play. Or know who Tariq Wolin is, but um, the guy who's he's a who, dog who should probably win Defensive Rookie of the Year this year for the Seattle Seahawks. He plays like Tariq Wolin. He's got arms that are as long as a defensive ends, and he's six foot four and he's fast. And I don't know how he ended up at Erskine and not at, at Coastal in the first place. But a year later, we got him, and he is going to come in and make an immediate impact in a depleted group. Uh, of of this uh, of the coastal Carolina secondary that has just been eviscerated in the past little bit, but but back to my main point, I like the strategy that they've gone with. They've gone to the FCS ranks and grabbed guys that are in their last year or two of eligibility and said, "Listen, you can come to Coastal. You can prove that you're ready to go to the league." You can prove that, that you're an FBS-level player for a season, maybe two, and then you're gone. And you're going to fill holes where we have holes, and you're going to be good, and you're going to go. Then he went to Power 5 schools and looked at young guys that didn't get what they were promised during their recruiting and said, hey, listen, you can get that here. He went to Barong and said, listen, you were the number 10 tight end recruit in the country out of high school, and you saw the field for like 10 whole plays all last season you come down here and you're on the field every play and you can do that for the next three years and look we just put isaiah likely in the league we'll put you in the league too and i like that transfer strategy i think that's the best transfer strategy for coastal carolina is to go and find young guys to build around that have talent but maybe overstretched themselves and went to a school that was a little bit too big and maybe it didn't work out And they're also going to guys that have shown that they can do it in the FCS and saying, listen, our offensive line is terrible. Evan Jumper, get in here. You're our immediate starter. You plug a hole for us. You help this season. And if you perform to the level we know you're capable of, we'll league you too. And that's exciting. That tells me that Tim Beck really has a plan for the future of this school and really has a plan 
to hit the transfer portal and be the destination for a lot of the best talent in the transfer portal at the group of five level. We're never going to convince Caleb Williams or Spencer Rattler, the two guys that were in the portal last year, to come to Coastal. But you can get the best tight end in the portal. You can get one of the best FBS uh, or FCS, excuse me, defensive ends. And your team's better for it. And that's exciting. So I want to move on to Tim Beck. We are now a couple of months in to the Tim Beck experience. And when we first hired him, this podcast put together a list. And we said, here are the goals that Tim Beck needs to hit in the next little bit for this to be a successful hire. And they were short-sighted goals with long-term implications. And I want to go through that list a little bit and, 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 you know, go over where we are with Tim Beck as head coach of Coastal Carolina. Number one on that list was to make sure that Grayson McCall continued to piss Teal. Big fat check mark on that one. Second on that list, hire a competent staff, unlike the one we had before. Big check mark. Guys that he have brought in to run this program for him. He said he wants to be CEO of Coastal Carolina football. He's not going to be in the trenches every day. He's not going to be, you know, coaching quarterbacks. He's going to be helping do that, but he's turning all that over to his assistants. You have to have good assistants to do something like that. And he damn sure hired some good assistants. Number three on that list was to rescue the trans or excuse me, was to rescue the recruiting class and build on it. Yeah, 50 50 on that one. Did all right. He did the best that he probably could have. Um, getting Simpkins to, to flip is, is massive. You know, building on that is, is good. Um, you know, that one's the first one that isn't a check mark, but it's also not a thumbs down or an X. Like it, he did fine. The fourth was to hit the transfer portal hard and make this team better in an instant. Bing, check mark. Josh, we're a couple months into Tim Beck, and I can't think of one negative thing to say about him. Do you agree? Are you in the same mind? Like, how good of a hire was this by Coastal Carolina? Uh, I think it's so good that it even it even surpassed our expectations. I'm, I remember distinctly, and I mean, y'all can go back and listen to it. You actually brought up Kane Barong on the podcast, probably three, probably two football episodes ago probably about a, a little over a month ago now. Um, and you're going through it. We offered this guy. He was 10th ranked at high school, whatever. And then you start looking at who offered him, and you're like, oh, okay, well, never mind. We're not going to get him. But at least our takeaway from that was at least we're offering him, and at least we're being aggressive in saying that, yeah, we think that we have a stake to one of the top players in the portal. And then we get him. I, I woke up one morning and... I was just like, no way. Like, that's the guy we were talking about. I had kind of put a pin in it. For him to get a commit like that tells me everything that I need to know. And, like, just for us to have kind of written it off as, oh, he's going to Georgia or Wake Forest or, or whatever, and him to come to Coast Carolina says everything that I need to know about what he's trying to do recruiting. I think he did get screwed with the turnaround and everything, but 
I love the transfer class he brought in. And like you said, it's meaningful. There's guys to plug holes, and there's also guys that are going to play a couple years here. And then finally, another thing we had on that list, you would ask us what else you thought we should add to it. And mine was bring back Jared Brown, who was a freshman All-American. Like, we haven't had one of those since Grace McCall. And he brought him back. Um, and there wasn't much of a question about it. So they had their meetings and convinced him Tyson Mobley back, Sam Pinckney back, kept all the weapons around him, prevented a real leak. We actually are one of the lowest teams number-wise of guys entering the transfer portal and leaving. That says volumes to me. And getting a freshman All-American to come back with a new coach, I, I, I think that overall... It, Everything that he did was a win. Love to see the recruiting a little more, but bringing everybody back was more important for me. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly where I'm at. Is is this hire is so good that maybe we don't realize how good it was? And I'm really, really, really excited. Like this is the most excited I've been about a coastal team going into the season ever. Like, even after the COVID year, we all kind of thought, I'll, I'll be honest, that that was a one-year fluke. We looked yeah, we at said that enjoy team. it. Yeah, we looked at that team coming into 2021 and thought, if they repeat that, that's amazing. But they're probably not going to. So, like, the hype for that team wasn't there. And then they, they did what they did, and they were amazing, and then they were amazing last season, too. But... This team and this coach has me more excited about Coastal Carolina football than I have been in a long, long time. I cannot wait for the lights of the Rose Bowl to flick on the first weekend in September. Please, can we get there? Like, tomorrow. And... I know that that's probably stretching and I know that that's a little bit of like honeymoon honeymoon phase going on, but what he's done so far is impressive. Jordan, are are you on the same team as Josh and I, are you head over heels for this guy already? No, I I agree with all, with both of you guys. I think that, I mean, I feel like Tim Beck, he stayed up all night and he studied and he he passed. I think he passed his exam. Um, I think he got a B plus. Um, I think he did really good. I mean, you put any other coach in this predicament and in this situation that he came in and they probably don't they don't they won't be as successful as Tim Beck has been. And I think Tim Beck, with everything that was going on, you know, back was against the wall. People were talking like so much crap after the bowl game, thinking that everything was over with. He had a lot of check marks and I think that for him to come in and to for him to keep Grace McCall, to keep Jared Brown, to keep um, Sam Pinckney, to keep these guys that helped us get these wins last year, and for him to go and to actually get key pieces and key parts of not only the defense but the offense as well, I think that in all honesty, hey, Sean's are here. And he's he's made it a point like we're not going anywhere. I'm coming in year one, and I'm still going to be as competitive as we were in 2020, even f- until last year. I think that this is going to be really big for us this year. I'm I'm glad we got him. Uh, we got our head coach, and he wants to be here. 
So I'm I'm just like you guys. I'm I'm excited for September and I'm ready for us to go up against UCLA. And I think we're gonna I think we're gonna go in there and people are gonna be really surprised at what we're gonna do come that weekend. I really do. I think you just hit the nail on the head with what with what I'm trying to say. And I'm so glad you said it because he said that multiple times in every interview. We had him on the halftime at a basketball game, and all he's ever said is so often you hear these coaches, they come into these new situations, not to say they make excuses, but but they tell you how difficult it is. And they say, I need time, my system. They kind of build buffers for themselves. They kind of build, oh, we might it might be slow, but once my system is implemented, once I get my guys in here, it's all going to be great. We're going to win the national championship. Just buy into my system. You haven't heard much of that from him. All you've heard is we're going to be just as competitive. We're going to be more competitive. We're going to build immediately. Nothing of wait till my system. I haven't heard that once from the man. Like he's all about now, and he's not. He's not putting any cushion behind him. He's balls to the wall, full throttle forward, and that's all I've heard from him since he's been inducted as our head coach. And that's what I love to hear because so often you hear coaches kind of give themselves a little bit of leeway, and I had really just haven't heard that from him. Yeah, he's nose to the grindstone on day one and isn't making excuses. He's full-blown, fully invested in this program and what it can do. And it's exciting for us as a team in the group of five, as one of the best teams in the group of five in the last five years, to look at our coach and go, all right, you're new around here. You've got some leeway. And he says, no, make the lease shorter. We're going to win. I'm going to put 110% effort into this right now, today. And we're going to get results from it right now, today. That's exciting. That's incredible to hear out of, out of the man that's running your program. And it bodes well for Coastal next season, the season after that, the season after that. I can't wait to see where Coastal is five years from now. When Tim Beck gets hired to take over for Nick Saban in Alabama because he's been that good, Coastal will have three more Sunbelt championships in, in the locker and a couple bowl game wins, and who knows? Maybe we go to the Cotton Bowl once or twice in that span. And that's not the level of expectations we have for this guy. That's not, you know, he doesn't have to hit those benchmarks for us to be happy with what he's doing and for us to not fire him. But the attitude that he has, that's what this team can accomplish under Tim Beck. That's what he has all of us believing this team can do. And that's exhilarating. Jordan, you have one last uh, point before we go ahead and wrap this up. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, nobody, he knows that, you know, nobody's going to feel sorry for us. He knows that. We're gonna come that we're gonna come in. He's gonna have to come in and and give everything he's got. And I think he's gonna gonna do just that. And you know, you brought it up not just good for this year, but for the next year and the next year. We're getting that expansion in twenty twenty four for the CFP. You don't think Tim Beck wants to lead these Shauna Clears into that expansion? Can you imagine? And we got Blake Boda. Can y'all imagine that? That would be something that. Not even 
the 2020 team or the 2021 or 2022 team even got a chance to do. That would be something historical. And, guys, I'm telling you, we got the guy. I think that we got the guy that's going to do it. I think he's going to actually get us there. He's going to get us to be one of those 12 teams in that expansion. I think it's going to happen. Now, I'm not going to say it'll happen in 24, but I think he can get us there. I feel real confident about this guy, and I think he's going to be that one coach. Every year, every time they get a new coach, they they set milestones. This is going to be another milestone for Tim Beck for him to do. I think he can do it. I'm just that confident in the guy. Yeah, I think before the end of his first contract, it's reasonable to think that we'll make a playoff appearance. The group of five has one bid. And yes, the Sun Belt is way better than it was even four years ago. And yes, the football landscape has changed dramatically. And you got to think the American just lost its top three teams. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Sun Belt is is unequivocally the best group of five conference. Now, that, that leads to cannibalization amongst themselves, which is always tough. But it doesn't scare me. I'm not scared of App State. I'm not scared of James Madison. I'm not scared of Marshall. I'm not scared of Troy or Southern Miss or any of them. With Tim Beck at the helm, I'm more confident in Coastal Carolina than I have been in a long time. Are those teams that I listed going to be good? Yeah. But you know what? Coastal's going to be better. And Coastal is better now that we have Tim Beckett at the helm. Now all we have to do is convince Matt Hogue to shove Cliff Ellis in a barrel and kick him over Niagara Falls and do the same thing with the basketball program. That's next on the agenda. That's number one on Matt Hogue's checklist. We had our list. I you going to add that to Tim Beck's list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's he's got to go find a Cliff Ellis sized barrel. That's number five on his list. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this athletics program is is headed in a great direction, and I think Tim Beck, more so than Matt Hogue, is going to be the face of that direction and and the leader of that direction. And it's exciting to see where Coastal can be in the next couple seasons. So. With that, I go ahead and uh, wrap up uh, this special episode of The Shant Show. We'll see you real soon. Um, we have a special episode coming up that I'm really excited about. I'm going to keep it a secret, um, but it is not your usual Shant Show episode, but it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun, so keep an eye on the feed for that. Blake Boda will be joining us for an episode here in the very near future, and baseball season is right around the corner, so uh, baseball season preview coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. So keep an eye on the socials, at Shant Show on Instagram, at The Shant Show on Twitter. Uh, go back and listen to the John Sanders episode. I know that uh, the football and basketball audiences don't necessarily, like there's a Venn diagram, and the center part is pretty tiny, <laughs> but if we can get the football audience to listen to a basketball episode, you'll really enjoy this. This is a kid that was featured on last chance U basketball and uh, was playing at East LA community college and is committed to coastal Carolina uh, as a transfer uh, to come in next season. So that was a really good episode that, uh, that Jordan and Josh put out uh, about a week ago. So go give that one a listen for us too. With that said, Sean's up forever. Tim Beck. Go get your your piss checked because I'm sure it's already turned teal and uh, fire the fellas. Yeah.